This week and next week, we've got a real short two-week series entitled Plugging Into the Power, Prayer and Fasting. This week is on prayer. Next week is on fasting. There are certain topics that when you talk about, especially if you're a Christian, and you know it's prayer, it's like, well, go ahead and just sing just as I am. I'm guilty, you know, of the whole prayerlessness thing. My purpose today is not to make you feel guilty, not to heap guilt on you, but it's to challenge you to pick up the mantle and be a part of our prayer and fast in February. And for those of you who have not enjoyed the practice of the presence of God in prayer, which is every bit as much as worship is what you have just been through the last 40 minutes, I'm telling you, you are missing out on a tremendous power source in your life. So this morning, I'm, 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 I am like really, really tired, just getting over a little flu bug. You'll realize how tired I am in just a second. But, uh, but I want you to follow along and write down notes. Man, I'm just going to throw about five things out at you. And I wish I had time to have a five-week series on this and, and a three-week series on fasting next week because there will be three points for that. But, but I don't. So I'm just going to, it's just like you're just going to get dumped on, all right? And so let's look at God's word together. If I could ask Jesus one question or five questions, one of the questions I would ask him is how do you really pray? Because all prayer is is a personal conversation with a personal God. And we've made it so much of what God never intended for it to be. My church growing up, it was, we'd always shake hands, kind of like we do, and we'd have this song, and on the third verse of the song, we'd all shake hands, and the men go to this side, the women go to that side, and, and we prayed around the altar together. And, uh, and a lot of times, it was just see who could pray the loudest and the longest, and it was just kind of like a contest between people sometimes. And we'd make prayer something that God never intended. Prayer is simply a personal conversation with a personal God. God is knowable and he's touchable. And you touch God and God touches you through prayer. So his disciples did that one day. In Luke chapter 11, the parallel verse is, is in Matthew chapter 6. That's where I want you to go and your PDA or your uh, online Bible or whatever you're on or the old-fashioned Bible. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to follow along, but I want you to write down five things that I'm going to give you of why you need to plug into prayer. Five reasons why you need to plug into prayer. And if you don't know anything else to pray for when you choose your prayer and fasting day in February, choose to pray one or all five of these things. Now, I memorize verses in the King James because the, the language is beautiful. However, it's easier for comprehension in the NIV so we're going to read the NIV. I'm probably going to slip back to the King James and just mess up. But then Jesus said, this is how you should pray. It's a model. It's an example. It is not to be simply recited, and this is the only thing you pray. He was basically saying there are elements in this prayer that when you plug into the power source of God the Father through Christ the Son in the Spirit of God, then there are five things wrapped up in here that, that should be contained in every prayer. This is just a model. It's an example. I would like for you to read it together with me and don't read it like you're just kind of, you know, read it with a little oomph and panache here, all right? Let's go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me give you the five things contained in that prayer that you ought to contain in your prayers that will help plug you into the power source that God's given us. First of all, plug into the power source, plug into God's presence with a worshipful heart. Plug into God's presence with a worshipful heart. Looks into verse 9. It starts off by saying our. It's interesting Jesus didn't go, you pray, my Father, which is in heaven. He used the plural. He didn't use the singular. The, the singular pronoun would have been my. He used the, the third person personal pronoun, our. All right, he used the pearl pronoun. I'm not quite sure if it's third, but anyway, you got the idea. And it talks about this corporate worship, this corporate experience of prayer. See, a lot of times we are duped in believing what we hear around us is true. And everybody around us says that, you know, faith is this very private thing. You know, it's a personal thing, but it's not a private thing. You and I are to be a part of a body of Christ, a church, where we can get involved in smaller groups around here called life groups, where you can know others, be known, where you live life together, where you can pray together. Where they can help you pray for your children and you pray for theirs. Where they can help you pray about certain issues going on in your life as you help them pray about certain issues going on in their life. That's part of the hour. Then he says, Father. It's an Aramaic word or derivative which means Abba, which means Daddy. Isn't that sweet? He says, when you approach God in heaven, he's not this thing that is untouchable and unknowable. Matter of fact, in the Jewish culture, this word Abba was almost rarely used. A son would never refer to his father as Abba in public. In fact, it would only be in very intimate and private and deeply personal moments that he would say, Abba, Daddy. But Jesus said, listen, when you come to the Father, when you come to your Abba, when you come to your Daddy, it is a very intimate, personal thing. That's why prayer is a personal conversation with a personal God. So we do it together and we do it alone. And we pray to our Heavenly Father. And then he says, hallowed. Hallowed. This word is used only here in the Bible. Some people translate, if, if you've got... Uh, study notes in your Bible, it'll probably tell you sanctified, purified, might even say justified. It doesn't even come close. The best way to describe this from the Greek to the English, which is a little tricky to do, the implication is, is that God the Father is so other than us. We tend to make God just like us, don't we? You know? If you like sports, you probably think God likes sports. If you like Home and Garden Channel, God likes Home and... If you like crochet, I mean, whatever music style you like, you tend to think God likes it. We tend to make God like us. Prayer helps us to realize God is so otherly other than us. He is so far, so far different than who we are, 
that what we are in comparison to what he is is just an image. But oh my goodness, he is majestic. He is enthroned. He is glorified. He is 100% pure, 100% righteous, 100% love. I can't fathom that. He is 100% without pretense or hypocrisy. There is no guile. There is no deceit. He's 100% pure. He is so otherly other than anyone you have ever known, and you have the privilege to talk with him. You ever got to know somebody? It seems a little awkward at first, right? How many of you, when you first get to know somebody, you really just hate that chit-chatty stage? Yeah, how you doing? How about them Red Wings? Oh, yeah. You got nothing else to talk about? Five minutes later, hey, how about them Red Wings? Oh, yeah. Anytime you kind of enter a relationship, sometimes it gets a little tough to know what to talk about. So when you are awkward coming to your Heavenly Father, especially for those of you who are new believers, or for those of you who are believers who have not spent time in prayer much at all, then you just simply come, Abba Father. Don't go for an hour. Don't go for any particular time. I don't call my wife and go, hey, all right, we're going to talk for one hour, babe. Let's go. By the way, my wife has no problem talking for one hour. I just want to throw that out there. But come, it, it just happens naturally. It's the flow. Because you're in the presence. You're in the presence of someone who's so otherly other than us. Hallowed be your name. The word name is an incredible verb or pro- noun that talks about all the verbs that God is. It incorporates God in his totality when you worship his name. His name is so otherly other. Now, I just want to kind of say this, that when you say our father is very intimate, it's very familiar, in heaven makes you understand hallowed be your name. He's so otherly other. It also means that we come into this thing with deep respect and a feeling of awe. And I love the song we sing, and wonder. And wonder. If you get nothing out of the February prayer and fasting, you know what the prayer part will do? It will slow your life down. It will take out the things that are really not important as you think they are. It will simplify life for some moments of time, and you get to be in the presence, undistracted, of a holy God. Of your Abba Father. Isn't that awesome? The value of persistent prayer. William McGill said. The the value of persistent prayer. Is not that he will hear us. But is that we will finally. Hear from him. Let me give you the second one. God. Plug it into God's power. Plug it into God's priorities. Over your own. When you pray. It's plugging into God's priorities. Over your own. The Bible says your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Wow. Most of us start our prayers by a little thank you, a little introductory remark. Dear Jesus, dear God. And then, boy, we start ticking off the list of things we want, don't we? 
Lord, I need this, I need this. If you'd kill this person, that would be fine with me. And, and we just kind of go, we just go on our list. As if God was some slot machine. If we put in a prayer and a good deed, pulled the lever, he'd give us everything. We, that is not it. That's not prayer. Prayer is where you get in on what God is doing. He says, your kingdom come. we got to understand that we're kingdom people. But we pray so much about non-kingdom things. We pray too much about us and not about what God's doing. That's why when we talk about the February prayer and fasting month, man, we consistently say that souls would be saved, that the church would flourish, and that God would help us know what next steps are here. What are the kingdom priorities of God in this place? That's what we want you to pray about. Don't make it about us. Don't be like the two grandkids who were at grandma's. And they prayed at night. Grandma came in and she was praying with them, you know. And the boy started praying. He started praying at the top of his lungs. Lord, I pray for a new bicycle. God, I pray for a new PlayStation. God, I pray for a new flat screen TV. And his brother nudged him and said, why are you screaming? God can hear you. He said, I know, but Grandma can't. (laughs) See, a lot of times we want God to hear us so we get what we want. Listen, one of the coolest things you can discover in prayer is that God is up to doing something and he invites you in on it. That's fantastic. But it only happens when you seek his kingdom first and his righteousness, Matthew 6, And all of these things will be given to you, plugging into God's power through prayer. Let me give you the third one. And it simply says, plug into God's provision for your daily needs. Plug into God's provision for your daily needs. It says, give us today our daily bread. He says, give us today, and then he says, our daily bread. So you got like today and daily. Kind of got this double thing going on. That word daily is an interesting word. It's used nowhere else in the Bible. This specific Greek word. The idea isn't that God just give me the next meal. Because the Jews, the Christian Jews were very poor at this time. They lived mostly hand to mouth anyway. And, and that's not what it, it, it talks about. God, supply my needs today and supply my needs tomorrow. So today you can kind of figure out what you need. Tomorrow you're not sure what you're going to need. The idea is when you know what you need, and even when you don't know what you need, you can still trust God for both. Because the same Abba Father, the same Daddy is going to take care of you. David said, I was young and now I'm old and I've scarcely seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. God will take care of us. So it's talking about the provision for our daily needs. It makes our prayer requests known to him. Philippians 4.19 says, my God, my God, Paul said, will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.19. The fourth thing you need to plug into God's power is to plug into God's pardon for your sins. To plug into God's pardon for your sins. Man. This is like, we, we get this, we get this wrong concept of, of confessing sin, don't we? 
I don't remember if it was here at another church I pastored right before I came here, but there was a little boy who was misbehaving real bad. Mom told me the story, and he was misbehaving. I believe his name was Johnny, and mom sent him to his room, you know, kind of one of those, you sit there and you think about it, you know. Of course, teenagers, you know that when we parents get set, upset, we speak in half sentences. You just go, and then you go, think, just get guilty, you know. So Johnny went to his room, came back out, said, Mom, I'm sorry. I said, really, what did you say? Well, I prayed. You prayed? Did you ask Jesus to forgive you and help you? He said, no, ma'am, I prayed that Jesus would help you be patient with me. <laughs> and a lot of times we don't want to change. We don't want to go to hell, but we don't want to change either. Listen, forgiveness is not some shallow emotion. Forgiveness is an outward expression of the inward commitment of repentance. Did you hear me? The asking of God for forgiveness is the outward expression of the inward commitment of to repent. To turn from sin and go a different direction. Matter of fact, the word for debt is again... A unique word that is only used about four to five times in the entire New Testament. And here it's very unique. It means the specific sins you consciously, deliberately chose to do. Wow. You don't leave those on the table, folks. You don't leave those unattended to. Those things you consciously, deliberately did that you chose to do. Well, I lost my temper. No, you didn't. You chose to lose your temper. Can we just, just amen if this is true? Have you ever just got up cranky and you were just waiting for a kid to tick you off? Amen? Teenagers, you woke up cranky and you were just waiting for something your mom and dad do just so. Huh? You better be careful though on that one, you know, because they can kill you. I mean, that's just part of it, you know? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 1 John 1, 9 says if we confess our sins, the sins that we do, that we chose willfully to do, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us our specific sins that we willfully choose to do. By the way, if you choose Sports Center over time with God in prayer, that's a sin that you've chosen specifically to do. Not that sports sin or sin. You've just chosen something of temporal value to the neglect of something of eternal value. And sports center is on like 16 hours a day. Really. Let me go to the next point. You seek God's power to overcome temptation. Plugging into God's power to overcome temptation. This is great. I want you to listen to it. And it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, the way that it reads in the English, it, it would, would kind of seem like God, does he lead us into temptation? The Bible says God doesn't tempt us. James tells us that in his letter. God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't do that. God sent his son to save us. Now he might test us. When Satan tempts us, it is always to be unlike Jesus. That's the end result of temptation. So that you will be unlike Jesus or more unlike Jesus 
after the temptation than before the temptation. When God in heaven provides a testing moment for you, his child, it is with the end result in mind so that you would be more like Jesus after the test than you were before you took the test. Do you get the difference? One is for your betterment, the other is for your destruction. And God never uses evil to make you better. He always operates on the plane of holiness and on on the plane of truth. It's the Satan that, that does the other one. And to overcome temptation. We all need God's help. I read about a guy who prayed, dear God, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgence. And I'm very thankful for that, Lord. But in a few minutes, God... I'm going to have to get out of bed, and from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. The fact is, is we fall into temptation. Matter of fact, the better way to phrase that verse, I believe, and I I was sick this week, so I didn't have a lot of time to study this part of it in Greek, but my my very cursory kind of skimming of it would be, I would translate it this way if I were pinning the scripture and translating it in the vernacular of our day to day. I would put, I would put it this way: Help me not yield to temptation. And which one of us doesn't need to pray that? God, help me not give in to sin. Help me not to give in. Help me to stand for you. Paul would say this: No temptation has seized you except what's common. To man, by the way, anytime you think your sin is the only sin and you're the only one wrestling with this, look around a room, go ahead, turn your head, look around a room. Room full of people wrestling with the same stuff. You say, well, I'm struggling with drugs. A lot of people in here are too. So I'm struggling with alcohol. A lot of people are in here too. Struggling with impurity. A lot of people are in here too. You say, man, it's a pretty messed up place, isn't it? Yeah, you bet it is. Turn around, look. They messed up people. See, we're not a perfect church for perfect folks, but we are a perfect church for imperfect people. Because we just accept you as Jesus accepts you. And man, we just say, you know what? He doesn't want you to live a life of sin. He wants to give you his power to overcome sin and temptation and the devil. That's what he said in the end, Right? When he says, and overcome the evil one, not to give in to Satan, not to give in to sin, but to stand on what's right and what's true, to deliver us from the evil one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I didn't finish it, and God is faithful, and he'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way so that you can stand up under it. You know the number one way that God has provided you for a way of escape is with a simple word. Here's the word. It's not magical. It's not mystical. It's not in the Greek. It's not in the Hebrew. It's an English word. But I guarantee you, when you are tempted, it will work every time. No. Satan comes and tempts you? No. I wonder what if Adam and Eve, would, what would have happened to the world if Adam and Eve, when the devil started talking to them in the Garden of Eden, if they, if they just went and went, No. Now, personally, I'd run from any snake, talking or not. I don't care if it's in the perfect garden of Eden. I don't care. I'm running. 
I hate snakes. No. Things get a little too physical in your relationship? No. You got a mouth? You have a choice. You have a choice how to use your mouth. No. And then sometimes it's not only just saying no, but it's also taking the next step and speaking up for what's right as well. He said, help me not give in to sin. Now the fact is, the fact is, we struggle with prayer, don't we? There are five beautiful elements of this Lord's Prayer. And God is just waiting to hear from you. Billy Graham said, heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one has ever bothered to ask. Have faith in God to dream. And let's ask God to bring the dream to completion. God's answers ready just waiting for our personal and persistent request. Peter C. Wagner, an authority on church growth, has this to say. He says, the more I dig deeply and I dig beneath the surface of church growth principles and why churches grow, the more thoroughly convinced I become that the real battle is a spiritual battle and that our principal weapon and principal weapon of victory is prayer. Would you say it with me again? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe there's some of you that you've been yielding to sin and it's time to say no. Man, right now, you don't need an invitation. You just need to ask God right now. God, forgive me my sins. Right now, ask. There's some of you who've been just carrying burdens around that you've not trusted God with. Well, you can trust him today and tomorrow. You can trust him for all of your needs, for all of your provisions. Ask him right now. You don't need an invitation. You can talk to him right now. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in the presence of God. I mean, simply because you chose to talk to your heavenly Father. So today, right now, choose to spend some moments in his holy presence. Not so that he will hear you, but so that you'll hear from him. Father, I feel so guilty when I preach on prayer. Because I feel like I'm the worst person in the congregation to teach on it. No matter how how much I spend, you always feel like you need to spend more time. God, forgive us our prayers and forgive us our lack of prayers. of our weak and anemic Christian lives when you want us to live powerful and full of your authority in your name. Father, my prayer is is that Christians who call this church their home church will go, all right, I'm in. I'm signing up for the prayer and fasting deal. Never done it before. 
God, my prayer is that they just simply take Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Just walk through it. Pray the five elements, the five PowerPoints that we shared this morning. You know, in the first service, just keep your heads bowed for just a second. I didn't like the way I ended the service. And so I'm going to do a little different, so I'm not quite sure how it's going to work, all right? So we'll just see what happens. If you're a Christian, if you, you know you're a believer, you know you love God, you know you want to live right, do right. But as I spoke this morning, you just went, yeah, you know what? And I got I to gotta do better at having this time with God in prayer, having a personal conversation, getting in on what he's doing, dealing with sin, trusting him to lead me, guide me, direct me, just hanging out in his presence, just to be around him. And you're a Christian, you know, and you say, yeah, you know, Pastor, I'm, I'm like you, I I need to do, I just need to get better at it. Would you be honest with me and just raise your hand with mine and just say, Pastor, man, that's me. That's me, raise them, raise them high. Don't keep them up, keep them up until we're all done. Now, if your hand is up, go ahead and put it down. And I'm gonna talk for about two more minutes but don't listen to another word I say. You just pray to God. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, see, when I ask God for something, when I talk to God, he goes, yes. Hello, Mike. He knows me. I have this personal relationship with him, but if you're here today, and you know, I've never talked to God. I'm not a Christian. As a non-believer... He's only obligated to hear one prayer you pray, and that would be the prayer to invite him into your part. It's a conversation that you just tell him you're sorry for the stuff you did wrong and thank him for dying on the cross so you could have eternal life and determine from this day forward you're going to live for him and spend time in his presence and seek his priorities and ask pardon for your sins and So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not right now in your heart pray this prayer? Just repeat it in your heart inwardly. Dear Jesus, I am not a believer. So right now, in this moment, I choose to become a believer in Jesus Christ. I invite you into my heart. Forgive me my sins. All of those things I've done wrong, that caused you to die on a cross for me. I am sorry. And from this day forward, I want to live for you. I want to hang out in your presence. I want to have that relationship with you. And nobody's looking around. If you prayed that prayer right now, you prayed that prayer right now, would you just do the same thing I asked the church folk to do just a minute ago? And I didn't embarrass them, and I'm not going to embarrass you. But we 
would you just raise your hand? Take a little first step of faith. Anyone this morning? Pray that prayer. Just raise your hand. You can just put it right back down. 